There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? We've reached the final episode of our series, Quotes, Unquotes, and Quotes, and what a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> so, it's okay, it's okay. Here's, here's your support, Blanky. Oh, thank you. Some movies are quotable because the dialogue touches our hearts. Some movies are quotable because they highlight the absurdity of the world around us and within us. Some movies are quotable because they display a mastery of language and dialogue that are just stunning. <laughs> and some movies are, ju are quotable because they are just so bat crazy <laughs> that you find yourself looking at your fellow audience members and shrieking, Somebody actually wrote that? <laughs> Yes, there are movies that somehow distill an essential madness and sheer dumbosity into language. <laughs> and despite our better angels sobbing in our ears to never, ever repeat any word, sentence, or random grunt found in this movie, we just can't help it. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau's magnum opus, The Room. This glorified vanity project, whose utter failure was predicted by virtually every person who worked on it, with one very notable exception, <laughs> has somehow mind-wormed its way into our collective consciousness and become a cult phenomenon that has been shown for 20 freaking years <laughs> in a handful of theaters and continues to this day. Why? You're just mad because you didn't think of it first. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's why Max Mike Movies is here. Well, not really, but it could be. <laughs> I'm your host, Max. What kind of drugs, Denny Levine? <laughs> and over there, desperately trying to figure out how to throw a football, is Mike. <laughs> cheap, 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 loose. Oh, hi, Mike. Oh, hi, Max. And I'll have you know, I can actually throw a spiral pretty well. Why? Huh. I don't know, but I can. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Just remember, laces out. Laces out. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to this, th this remarkableness, we have our poll question. Poll question. Last week we asked, who is the actor, male or female, you thought we lost way too soon? Nice cheery question, Mike. You're welcome. From Mike Dans. I, I wheeze. The Chadwick Boseman, of course. Mm. Mm. Val Coons, Lord and Doyen of Q Footsteps. Stop using Doyen. You don't even know what it means. I do too. It means like supreme chick in charge. Yeah, sure it does. <laughs> yeah, you look it up. I can't. I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> then shut up. Yipe. Val Coons says, Madeline Kahn. Mm. Oh, that yeah. was a tragedy. Agatha Gasparoni just says, Robin Williams. Mm. Mm. Tim Potter, Mr. Potter, <laughs> says, well, he's not gone, but lost due to illness, and that is Tim Curry. Mm. Oh, yeah. I preferred his comedic roles instead of the more serious ones, but he could have brought a lot more smiles. Mm. This is absolutely true. Angelo Patsalis says, John Eric Hexum. Huh? Okay. I don't know. Okay. Him. A nice obscure one there, Angela. Cool. Sure. I don't know. I have to look him up. Professor Dr. Rebecca Pelkey says River Phoenix. Mm. Other than Stand By Me, of course, he did a little known film called Dogfight huh, that became one of my favorites. 
Don't know that one. He died when I was in my first semester at NMU, and it was the first time the death of a celebrity actually affected me. Yeah, he was in a lesser-known film. I think it's a Gus Van Zant film mm-hmm. called My Own Private Idaho, and I really liked him in that. It was a very he played a uh, gay hustler with narcolepsy. <laughs> Isn't Keanu Reeves in that? Yes, he is. Wow. Also playing a gay hustler without narcolepsy. Ah, with or without narcolepsy. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Kleinert gives us a list uh, in, a col- in collaboration with someone allegedly named Brad. Oh, yeah, that would be her husband, and it's not alleged. Uh-huh. <laughs> be nice. I'll, I need to see documentation. No, you don't. <laughs> Heath Ledger, Robin Williams, Chris Farley, Tom Lister Jr., and Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, he's oh, apparently yeah. an absolute sweetie. Mm. George Saunier is another on the Heath Ledger list, and, oh, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Nick Gasparoni has Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Adam Mark, strap in, okay. has given us quite a few and some remarkable background. I love that. Natalie Wood. Oh, yeah. Wood drowned, likely by the hand of her husband, Robert Wagner. Allegedly. Ixnay, Ixnay, allegedly. Ray, Wagner way. <clears throat> Trying to get us sued there, Adam. Everyone knows uh, it was with Beretta. <laughs> at age 43 in the Pacific Ocean near South Catalina Island. Oh, no. <laughs> during a I break knew from, were going to do that. How could I not? Do, in a, during a breakup from production of her would-be comeback film, Brainstorm. And it was supposed to be out in 1983. Oh, yeah. That, okay. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. One of the best actors of his generation. Hoffman seemed poised to be able to produce new and compelling roles for decades to come, but he OD'd at age 46. Yeah. Yeah. Heath Ledger, yeah, another vote for Heath. Teen heartthrob turned master thespian. His role, his roles in Brokeback Mountain and The Dark Knight were performances for the ages. He died at age 28, of an, also of an overdose. He was also great in Roar. Look it up, folks. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. to. <laughs> A more obscure one, Rebecca Schaefer. That is obscure. Sha- or Schaefer. Not sure how it's pronounced. Uh, he spells it two different ways. One is A-E and one is A. Eh, it's probably Schaefer. Was, she was an American actress and model. In 1986, she landed the role of Patricia Patty Russell in the CBS comedy My Sister Sam. I remember that name. Wasn't that Pam Dauber? I can't re- I'm not sure. I think it was. Okay, the series was canceled in 1988, and she appeared in several films, including the black comedy Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. Heard of that, never saw it. Yeah, me either. She was then... seriously being considered to play Mary Corleone in The Godfather 3 when she was shot and killed by an obsessed fan who had been stalking her. Wait, Max? Yeah? There was a Godfather 3? No, I think he must have... That must be a typo. Oh, okay. She was 21. Oh, wow. The role ultimately went to Sofia Coppola. That's a double tragedy. Oh, that's why they didn't make the movie. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) Schaefer's tragic death helped lead to the passage in California of legislation aimed at preventing stalking. We will never know her her potential acting path. It's a tragedy. Hmm. He also adds, Gene Harlow in 1937 of kidney failure. Ilea in a plane crash. No, not that one. I don't know what plane crash it was, Yeah, but I, sure. I know her from, it was the second uh, interview with the vampire. Yeah, Queen, Queen of the of Damned. Damned. Yeah. Yep. Sorry, Queen of the Darned. Uh, Chris Farley, Damned. 1995, he OD'd. And of course, Jane Mansfield, yeah. 1967 car accident. Yep. The reason that all trailer trucks have a lower bar in the rear to prevent cars from going under the trucks, the trailer's carriage. 
avoiding decapitating the driver. You know, she invented Bluetooth. Uh, um, no. Yeah. She, well, originally, yeah, it's, th- look it up. It's, fa- it's fascinating. She invented basically a low-frequency radio transmitter that eventually was incorporated into Bluetooth. This was during World War II, but no one took her seriously. Oh, I was going to say, because I know that Bluetooth was made by a couple of guys from Scandinavia, which is why yeah. it's called Bluetooth. Yeah, but this is... Interesting. It's like uh, Lucy hearing the uh, transmissions from Japanese spies <laughs> and, uh, to her teeth, which... Never mind. Nick Hoffman says Errol Flynn. Okay. Did he die too young? I don't know. Errol well, Flynn is problematic. We'll but have anyway. to check with Errol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tyler Stewart brings mentions again. River Phoenix. Dave. Dave. Had no answer. Oh. Well, thanks, Dave. No, um, <laughs> but looking at other people's answer, I wish Philip Seymour Hoffman was still making movies. Mm. Then I remembered both John Belushi and Gilda Radner. Yeah, Gilda. A separate note, I was very happy when when a very old Joe Pesci came out of retirement recently, or maybe it wasn't so recently, time doesn't track well with for me anymore, <laughs> nor for any of us. Mm. Jessica Miller says, along with many already mentioned, I'd add Brandon Lee. Mm. Oh, yeah. He could have done some great things. Charles Forsythe says, so many great answers, I'm surprised nobody has brought up James Dean. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Pete Krychek mentions Bruce Lee. Yep. Absolutely. And Val Coons br- brings in Stephen the Assistant, saying, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And, of course, the dread walrus rider himself, <laughs> Bane, the penguin Bane, yeah, Vince. Yeah, 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 <laughs> on mule, on mule. Death to all penguins. <laughs> as I'm going to go with Brad Davis, who was in Roots, Midnight Express, and Querel, or Querel. He was really captivating on screen to me, and I am sure he's almost forgotten at this point. Sadly, there are so many to choose from. The list could be pages on and covers actors go back to the silence age like Rudolph Valentino and go to Heath Ledger and beyond. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally those agree. Is, yeah, those are some great and very sad answers. Mm. Now that I brought the show down, Max, what's your reason for bringing down the show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to go oh, with both Heath Ledger and Chadwick Boseman. Mm. That was just Chris Farley a little bit. I mean, I don't know how great he could have been, but it was sa- he was he was such a presence. Mm. But Chadwick Boseman, we hadn't we were just getting an idea of what he could do. I think he'd probably be my major number one pick too, and I think yeah. the reason for that is because not only did we barely get a glimpse, but when we watched his final film, which I think was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. There was no indication of what was going on. And apparently that was true on the set. I remember when we did the trivia for that. It was like nobody knew. And the man just kept working and working until the very end and did not make it a part of his on-screen presence or his off-screen presence. And I have a lot of respect for that. I'm not saying that people shouldn't ask for help. Please don't get that wrong. But I'm I'm sure there's like a very small circle that knew. But it's obvious that what was important the man was to him a was pro. the work. Yeah. He was a pro, and, and he was incredibly talented. And it wasn't drugs, and it wasn't, you know, drinking and driving or something like that, where it was tragic, but there was sort of a fault, potentially, on one point or another. I'm not going to point fingers, but here it was just just bad luck. And mm-hmm. it's our bad luck that we don't get to see any more of him. Heath yeah. Ledger, there's been all sorts of speculation. The latest I'd heard was that it was actually a... A bad um, prescription medicine 
yeah, reaction. Reac- uh, yeah, some inter- drug interaction is what I heard. That it had not, because there was all this stuff about. It wasn't how, his fault. He took the right amount. Yeah, no, no, no. It had all this stuff about how he was taking these things because he couldn't sleep because the role of the Joker was driving him crazy. And apparently that wasn't true at all. So, but there's all that. But uh, thank you all for your answers. Yeah, these were great. Thank you. But we have a new one because we are never satisfied. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Satisfy me, Max. Yes. <laughs> Well, everyone just tuned out. <laughs> and they should. Show's over. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, what movie did you go into expecting to hate or be bored by, but ended up really enjoying? Oh, awesome question, Max. And we'll tell you how to answer that at the appointed time. Wear a, wear a white carnation, carnation up your nose. But I am dying, dying to hear more about this week's movie. Facts. Budget, $6 million, all of which came out of Tommy Wiseau's pocket. Yeah. Uh-huh. U.S. gross, $550,000. That much, huh? A worldwide, to date, it's made $5 million. He's almost made his money back <laughs> after 20 years. <laughs> In the years since its release, Tommy Wiseau claims the film was always meant to be a comedy full of so-bad-it's-good elements. Uh Uh-uh. The rest of the cast suspects Wiseau is attempting to deflect from the fact that his epic drama was not received in the way he intended. Lying! According to Greg Sestero, who plays Mark in the movie and is a major source of information on this, we'll talk about that later, Tommy submitted the film to Paramount Pictures, hoping to get them on board as a distributor. (laughs) Usually it takes about two weeks to get a reply from a studio. This one was rejected within 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. So there's a record. Yeah. At least they didn't string them along. Towards the end of the Los Angeles portion of the shoot, morale among the crew was so low that Todd Barron's name, who uh, was the direct, one of the directors, was not listed on the clapboard. Take numbers were not being recorded. Giggling crew members wandered in and out of shots. And entire scenes were out of focus because nobody bothered to check the lens. <laughs> this was shot simultaneously on 35mm film and high-definition digital video. Ooh. Tommy was so was confused about the differences between the two formats but he decided to use both of them as he wanted to be the first director to shoot on film and HD simultaneously. <laughs> In order to do that, he had a custom mount constructed to house both cameras, unaware that he would need a different crew and lighting setup for each one. <laughs> he also bought the cameras instead of renting them, which is what film productions usually do, with the cost of the HD cameras alone being $100,000. Ah, uh. Nobody buys the cameras. You rent them. It's otherwise just insane. Despite all this, only the footage shot with 35-millimeter film cameras was eventually used. Ah. According to Juliette Danielle, who plays Lisa, who looks so good in a red dress, when Tommy says the line, excuse me, when Johnny says the line, in a few minutes, bitch, everyone on the set began laughing at him. So came out of the bathroom and demanded to know what was so damn funny. <laughs> Tommy was so was adamant about the shot of him getting out of bed and walking naked to the bathroom. Oh, good. This is a direct quote. I have to, sh- I'm sorry, I can't help doing the voice. I have to show my ass or this movie won't sell. 
He did numerous takes of this scene, <laughs> refusing to move on until finally the crew just demanded he do so. <laughs> the editor, Eric Chase, later tried to convince Wiseau to cut the shot, claiming it scared Chase's wife. <laughs> The woman, now, this will come as a great shock, but the woman in the flower store was not an actress, <gasps> but was the woman who actually worked there. Uh, can I repeat? <gasps> yes. According to Sestero, Tommy, upon seeing the little dog on the counter, asked if it was the real thing. <laughs> he wanted to know if it was an actual living dog. Oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> uh, hello, doggy. According to the book, The Disaster Artist, that's Greg Sestero's tell-all about the movie, Tommy Wiseau is fascinated by vampires and enjoys cultivating the impression that he is one. <laughs> Supposedly, early in production, Wiseau approached the cinematographer, Raphael Smadja, with a new scene. I want my car to fly off the roof and into the sky. It's just possible side plot. Maybe Johnny is vampire. Wiseau eventually dropped the idea after learning that this wasn't possible on the production's budget. Yeah. You know, that is a major focus of vampire lore that they... um, They drive flying cars, yes. After low ticket sales, shock, the film was almost immediately pulled from cinemas. Tommy Wiseau paid to keep the film playing in one cinema for two weeks. Why? So it would be eligible for Oscar nominations. <laughs> um, excuse me, I need to back up there. I'm sorry, you yeah. said it was not going to be playing in cinemas? Yeah, plural. plural. It opened in about six theaters. Really? Really. I have to find out what the definition of a cinema is. <laughs> like, does yeah. it include somebody's rumpus room? Or the backyard with a screen, yeah. yeah. Surprisingly, this proved to be uh, ineffective, as they didn't get any nominations. However, I should point out that the disaster artist in 2017, which was the film based on the book, did get an Oscar nom for Best Adapted Screenplay. Well, there you go. During the Love is Blind scene... Peter seems dazed and frequently reaches out to touch things while moving around the room. This is because Kyle Vogt, who played Peter, had hit his head on the spiral staircase while rehearsing and had a concussion. Oh. Tommy Wiseau, who was angry with Vogt because he was about to quit the film and honor a prior commitment, wouldn't let him leave for treatment. Wow. Yeah, we noticed something about something about this. Tommy Wiseau enjoyed filming the love scene love scene, sex scene scene with Lisa, (laughs) so much he decided to create a second sex scene with recycled and unused shots from the first, which is why the candles are already lit when they arrive and you can still see the rose petals. Yeah, I totally didn't notice that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tommy claimed to have financed the film by importing and selling leather jackets from South Korea. He has constantly refused to elaborate on this. Again, according to Sestero, Tommy was already independently wealthy when production began, having amassed a fortune over several years of entrepreneurship and real estate development in around Los Angeles and San Francisco. For those of you who are really into numbers, oh, hi is spoken nine times. <laughs> oh, hey, seven times. There are eight instances of the phrase, don't worry about it. <laughs> and one, don't worry about that. <laughs> one, don't worry about me. Two, don't worry about Johnny's. And one, don't worry about those effers. And two, plain old, don't worries. 
Well, you just used up all my best quotes. Sorry. <laughs> there are seven mentions of Johnny and Mark being best friends. At the screenings of the movies, the, now that it's hit cult status, attendees will loudly count out these messages. Now Sigma the, and the sea monster and Johnny, Johnny and Mark are friends. Exactly. <laughs> uh, despite, by the way, they're suppo- we hear over and over how they're best friends. They don't even talk to each other for almost half the movie. Yeah. Mark, the character Mark was named after Matt Damon. So we, oh, what? Oh, yeah, sorry. According to Sestero, Tommy was obsessed with Matt Damon, but misheard his name. He was convinced his name was Mark Damon. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What a tribute. (laughs) The original script, oh, Lord, was significantly longer (laughs) and featured a series of lengthy monologues. (laughs) It was edited on set by the cast <laughs> and the script supervisor, Sandy Schlaer. I'm sorry, the found, what? Hmm? The what? The script supervisor. Uh. Yes, they had one <laughs> who found much of the dialogue incomprehensible. <laughs> Think about that. Imagine what they left out. Oh, dear. Yeah. It apparently just had stuff that was physically unsayable. But... Tommy was very protective of his script and insisted it be performed just as written, but his inability to remember much of it meant that these changes went unnoticed. He also had a lot of trouble just plain remembering his lines. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's um, surprising uh, for a, a, a professional of his caliber. Yeah. <laughs> this one's for you, Mark, Mike. Tommy was so... This one's you for mean you, Matt. Matt. <laughs> Matt. Tommy was so once yelled at a crew member for farting on set. <laughs> he was just trying to express his opinion, that's all. We, now, Wiseau had a cold during the filming of the party confrontations and the trashing the apartment scenes. He took very heavy doses of NyQuil to combat a stuffed nose and sore throat and had been drinking excessively of Red Bull to counteract the effects of the sedative nature of the drug. In the movie, he looks convincingly drunk or stoned, because he is. He's also (laughs) exhausted. This movie contains about just over 10 minutes of sex scenes, which is about 10% of the whole running time. Yeah. While filming the fight between Johnny and Mark, Tommy Wiseau was really hurting Greg Sestero. By the end of it, Cicero's forearms and wrists were covered in bruises due to Wiseau's, quote, cyborg-like strength. In addition, Johnny shoving Mark to the ground and against the door was a spontaneous move by Wiseau. And finally, Tommy has expressed plans to adapt the movie into a Broadway musical. Sure. That'll be that year's hot ticket. You just Ooh. know it. You know There's what? A, yeah. I'd go. <laughs> yeah. I'd be tempted. I'd bring spoons. Because I hate myself. I do, I do, I do. <laughs> uh there is a ton more about this movie, mostly about uh, Tommy with So, yeah. and the the uh, and Mike is going to provide some as we go along. But yep. let us get to, yeah, yeah, the, okay. I'm dying to hear this. You know, the plot, <laughs> right, right. There is one. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I got it. Johnny seems to have it all. He's a computer genius, huh? I think, who He's- works in. I want to say finance. He's very financially secure. We know this because various characters kindly tell the audience several times. 
He has a beautiful live-in fiancé of seven years named Lisa and a touching relationship with a troubled young man named Denny who is involved with drugs, capital D, for one scene. He also has a best friend named Mark. We know they're best friends because virtually all the other characters remind us of this constantly, despite the fact the characters don't even talk for first half of the movie. But all is not well with our lumpy hero. His red dress wearing fiance Lisa is cheating on him with Mark, who is his best friend, remember? Oh, oh right. no. Johnny is betrayed by everyone around him. Or, well, two people anyway. And clearly he has no choice but to follow the example of the scarlet pumpernickel and blow his brains out. Hey, most of the character motivation in this movie is more bizarre than in any cartoon. The film. That's what I got for the plot, okay? Because plot, there ain't much. No, there's not much of a lot of things. And yes. speaking of there not being a lot of something in this film, let's talk, start with the actors, but we're going to leave the big one for last, shall okay. we? Okay, yeah. This is going to be easy. Um, yeah. They all we're pretty the... much suck except for the mom who actually visibly gets better. <laughs> yeah, she actually improves as the movie goes along. She goes from crap to, I'd say, half crap. I would say she gets off the highway of crap at the last exit just before competent. Yeah, honestly... The woman in the flower shop who isn't an actor is about the level of talent of everyone else in the movie. Well, and how about the woman or the people in the coffee shop? Because I don't think they're real actors either. That's true. I think they're actually just ordering, which is why we can't hear them because they aren't miked. Well, and the other thing, too, being is that that particular scene, everybody who walks into that coffee shop is told, oh, we'll, we'll get it to you in a minute, and nobody gets any coffee and mm. whatever. And that scene just literally doesn't do anything. But... As far as most of the actors in this film go, they're friends of Tommy's. That's my yeah. best bet. Well, they were the only Denny, people who I yeah. now know for a fact is not Denny or Danny. It is in fact Denny because it says like so the on restaurant. IMDb. Yeah, yeah. It says so on IMDb. Denny. It's short for um, play Dennis. I guess. According to Tommy, by the way, yep. Denny was supposed to have some kind of mental illness. <laughs> he did not. Yeah. <laughs> He did not tell the actor, Philip Haldeman, this at any point. Ah. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Tommy Wiseau is an expert on mental illness because... First-hand experience, I'm guessing. And <laughs> we shouldn't make fun of the mentally challenged. That being no. said, I think Tommy might be just sort of generally challenged. Um, yeah. I, I, I Just either massively delusional... Or he is, like, pulling the, this the greatest prank since Andy Kaufman. Nah. You know? Nah. I don't Probably buy not. it. Why? So here's the thing. There's been a number of attempts to make bad movies. The Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the yeah. Lost Skeleton well, of Cadavera. Yeah, a bunch of others. it doesn't work. No. The reason that people love the bad movies that they love is because the people making them were utterly sincere. Mm -hmm. And while I have not read the disaster artist and i've seen I the movie but not entirely in a clear <laughs> frame of mind um i honestly or the don't... entire movie did oh, okay good thank you i wasn't even sure we'd finished it no we didn't <laughs> yeah um it's it's pretty obvious that whatever tommy says about it oh is a comedy huh no because you can't that kind of comedy doesn't work unless it's sincere and it's yeah. just bad 
So I'm going to disagree there. And Tommy is an actor. I is, oh boy! I think it's easy to say he is the worst thing in this film. He, his incompetence goes to a level rarely seen. I oh, mean, it goes to a planet barely heard know. of. It's not just that he's a bad a bad actor, which he is, but his constant like head swishing and lack of visual focus and understanding of what he's even saying. My first note about him was that he's a mush mouth dissociative. Like mm. he says things, but he doesn't know how they relate to anything. Huh? Like he's literally yeah. just doesn't make eye contact with most of the other actors. And he physically has trouble speaking the lines because of his, whatever the hell accent that is. Well, to interject a first piece of a bunch of stuff I looked up. A Wissoism? Wissoism, if you will. He So he claims to have been born in the U.S. No. Uh, <laughs> sometimes he was born and raised in New Orleans, sometimes from Chalmette, Louisiana. Um, Greg Sestero claims to have seen his immigration papers and says that Wizzo is from an Eastern Bloc country. That would fit. Well, his biography says that he searched and found finally that Wizzo is from Poland and was born in 1955. Okay. And Wizzo himself only as recently as 2017 admitted that he was from, quote, Europe, end quote, but considers himself an <laughs> uh, American. The country of Europe, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think probably Poland is the most likely. Um, I am not familiar enough with Polish accents to say one way or another, but I think most people, when they hear his accent, immediately go to Eastern Europe. That's what I always thought. I thought he was like Croatian, but... Now, there is nothing wrong with having an accent. It's totally fine, and sometimes it can actually be really alluring. It can be something... It isn't his accent. It's the fact that he doesn't know how to enunciate. It's the fact he doesn't know how to act. <laughs> yeah, that too. He, Despite the fact he thinks he's James Dean... That is his that, big idol. He loves James Dean, and which is why what, we get... You're tearing me apart, Lisa! Yeah, so, because... Um, if you've ever seen Rebel Without a Cause, when James Dean says that line, which sounds so cartoonish and silly, it's... You forget there's other people in the movie. It's amazing, the intensity... Well, for me, Wiseau's delivery of that line is so bad, I made no reference to James Dean at all. It didn't uh. even occur to me that that line was a famous line. So he not only kept me from realizing James Dean, he obliterated my image and memory <laughs> of James Dean having done yeah. a line anything like that. Yeah. So the only way this film could happen is the way it happened. Somebody had too much money and decided they wanted to make a movie about themselves. And that's one thing I could not find because this film feels to me like he had a terrible breakup with somebody and it's, I show how I make a movie and make money off the ha. Huh? Like that's, that's the only thing that makes any sense because there's just enough of plausibility here that it feels like it's based on something. The thing is, I've read Sistero's book. He could never figure it out. Tommy never talks about... Uh, old girlfriends to him. He doesn't, uh, he just desperately wanted to be a movie star, not an actor. He wanted to be a movie star. Well, uh, in a way he kind of achieved that. In, on some level, 
The average person does not know who Tommy Wiseau is. No. Cinema freaks like us, we know. Yeah. I bet a lot of our listeners know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know people who have seen this movie numbers of times. Now, I want to point something out. When we were originally going to watch this film, we were going to watch it with the Rift Tracks dialogue added on because yeah, that's it's basically a sort it. of a palliative to just try to make the pain go away. Or at least smooth it out while we yeah. were experiencing it. You know, a little shot of Novocaine here and there couldn't yeah. hurt. And I have to admit that we decided maybe, what, yeah, about five minutes in? Yeah, if that. It was could. just too distracting. Yeah. We were enjoying them too much and not able to focus on the movie. I know, So we watched the whole film without riff tracks or anything yep. else. I didn't imbibe anything. Max didn't imbibe nope. nothing. We just watched it. And I got to say... I totally get why people go to watch this. It's hilarious. I, I I, it it really kind of is. It really is one of those unintentionally hilarious movies. The thing is, I would never watch this movie alone. It was it's just too dull. Yeah. But I could absolutely see watching it in a, a crowded theater with people who were into it and people this is more a West Coast thing apparently. Yeah. Well I don't know if it's ever shown on the East Coast. I, I'm not Briefly, sure. Yeah, right. It might have. But yeah, it was unlikely that it was distributed outside of California initially, but I think it's made the rounds since. Well, it's been worldwide now, and he goes yeah. to the performances. Yes, he does. And people get, they say the lines along, they count the number of references. There are apparently, and I got to say, I did not notice this at all, and that's on me. There are, there's a lot of spoon-based art yeah, in the in the room itself, in the apartment. I don't We're know why. Come called. back to that room part. But. Okay, in, in the apartment, there's spoon art everywhere. And <laughs> apparently, people bring plastic spoons to the shows and throw them whenever uh, that art is featured. I mean, let's face it. This film has become the Rocky Horror of its time. It's just not in any way help helping to forward a less lesser represented culture in any way. Except crazy people, I guess. It is peculiar, though, because Rocky Horror has things going for it. The music in Rocky Horror is really good. Let's face it, that's about the only thing Rocky Horror has going for it. Oh, so, come on, Tim Curry. It's But when he's when he's doing the music, that's what we want to see. You know, when he's doing Frank, he's okay, and we like him. Okay. But... I think we can do better than that. Oh, don't ask Brad and Janet. They lie. But if you have ever wa I've watched the film where there was nobody doing lines and nobody doing the stage show, and yeah. it's boring. It's very slow. It's yeah. surprisingly so. The music is great. It's fun to see these people, many of whom, several of, a couple of, okay, one of whom became, well, two of whom became major stars, you know, Susan Sarandon and Tim Curry. Uh, excuse me, Charles Gray. Oh, true. He Charles was, Gray was already a star. <laughs> I wouldn't go far to say star. But he was well. He, we, everybody knew him as a Bond villain and such. Sure. And, you know, Barry Boswick kind of, you know, went on to, you know, do that blockbuster Megaforce. hit Megaforce. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, this, the room brings us nobody. No. It, none of, there's none of these actors. It's been 20 years They've had other jobs. I looked. It was none of them were things I'd heard of. Well, the thing, the thing that's most fun is noticing how many people on the cast list in IMDb actually have a photo next to their name. Yeah, there are a number many. who don't. Yeah, a lot of them are like, no, I don't want anyone to know, ever. Well, they just never didn't. Even the kid who played Denny doesn't have a photo. No. So, whatever. It's 
I totally get it. I see why people would do it, and I would go. If there was a local showing of this, I would go and have fun. I really love the Rift Tracks guys playing with this because they are funny, yeah. and that's the way to watch it if you're alone or maybe with one other person. But we watched it without, and I I was laughing my ass off because if eventually you get to that point in the film where you're like, what? Did I just have a stroke? Yeah, I you're think like, I had I'm a hallucinating. <laughs> Nobody could have actually said that. Wait, are we in San Francisco? I'm oh, not please. sure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing about the the alleged cinematography. For whatever reason, apparently because they were desperate, the Tommy was desperate to make sure the audience remembered what city <laughs> the movie took place in. There are endless, endless establishing shots of San Francisco, some of which are quite nice looking. Sure, they're they're well shot and much more interesting than anything that they are interstitialing between. Well, and the worst, I think, overuse of them, it, they actually get worse as the film goes on. The frequency of them alone in the final party scene, for example, or even yeah. the getting ready for the party scene because the timeline gets massively screwed up because we see Lisa trying to get ready for the party and everything to get ready. We cut to San Francisco, we cut back, and now it's earlier in the day and Tommy hasn't left for work yet. And mm. it's like, uh, why are we here again? Oh, that's okay, because in a few seconds we're going back to San Francisco just go and it won't matter <laughs> there are just moments of pure absurdity like comes a couple of times tommy or johnny let's face it they're the same person yeah. calls someone a chicken Jeep, and Jeep, to Jeep, illustrate Jeep, Jeep, Jeep. that, they go cheap, 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 which is not the sound chickens make and not, not the not the sound people do when you're trying to make someone sound chicken Buck, 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 yes. is the correct pronunciation. You cluck or some such. <laughs> yes, that's fine. Uh, whatever. But um, it's so odd. Well, now here's so here's a connection to the bird thing. So some of his background, as I said, he he claimed to be from Louisiana, and then he eventually said, "Yeah, I'm from Europe, huh? Isn't that weird?" Uh, I'm really mixing bird metaphors. Thing? But apparently, and this was something that I think Sistero found out when he moved to San Francisco. The first job he had was to sell these weird toys, which were birds, on mm. the wharf, and he was known as the Bird Man. Because of his immigration status, he changed his name to Thomas Pierre Wiseau. Wiseau, if you use an O instead of a W, is the French word for bird. Oh. Yeah, but that, see, that tiny little bit is probably the most factually accurate thing we can find out about him. Yeah. So okay. his, his understanding of even birds is suspect. What did you want to bring up about the spoons? I didn't have anything about the spoons. Okay. Nothing. Oh. Okay. I thought you said, uh, you know, we'd nope. come back to it. But yeah, the spoons. Didn't yeah. even notice. That and they also throw rose petals. The first note I had, though, because it's the first thing that pops up, it says, Wiseau Films. Films? There's more than one? <laughs> He's done a couple. He's got another one coming out. Well, he had one that literally just premiered last month. Yeah? And so that giant got, shark? That's called Big Shark, not Giant. Big Shark, Big shark. excuse me. It was supposed to come out in 2019, but it literally just premiered the beginning of April. So it's ah. very timely. Greg Sestero, who plays Mark in this movie, is in that one as well. There was also a film called Best, and I can't pronounce this because of the way it's written, Friends, where the word the letter R is oh, in parentheses, yeah. so it's Best Fiends, Best Friends. It supposedly came out in 2017, didn't find out much about that. Luckily, he's now working on a UFO film, so maybe we'll find oh, out where he's from. <laughs> well, of course, there is also his brilliant cameo in Samurai Cop 2. Which... I know a lot of, that's a, probably an example of a film that's tried to 
being bad on purpose, yeah. which is too bad because Samurai Cop 1 is hilarious because it it's is. so awful. It is, unintentionally, but Samurai Cop 2, they were like, they tried to lean into it and they ruined that. Yeah, I still enjoyed it. I mean, enjoy being... Well, we'll get back to that someday. Uh, he did a documentary in 2004 called Homeless in America. He has a YouTube channel that, uh, I mean, you know, who doesn't at this point? But he uh, has a show called Tommy Explains It All, where he <clears throat> explains okay. it all. And he had a TV show that actually Whoa. was on a streaming service you've heard of and may even have. There's six episodes of a show called The Neighbors on Hulu. Oh, wow. Apparently, it is irredeemably bad. I had never heard of it, so... You you stunned me, sir. Yeah. The uh, the guesses about where he's from and his past and, you know, what facts there are, are all over the place. My favorite conspiracy theory about Wiseau, and this has to do with his money, because apparently at one point when one of the people on the, the crew or the, one of the actors went to go check, cash their check, they were like, this isn't going to cash. It did. And the teller at the bank said, between you and me, that account's bottomless. I'm like, huh? Oh, huh. So the best conspiracy theory I heard about Tommy Wiseau is that he's actually D.B. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I know. I like that. I, I, like I love that. that. So why not? Who cares? Yeah, okay. But, but uh, let's get to the quotes. Oh, already. Yes. All right. We so can come back to other stuff, but I want to do. I want to talk about the quotes. Well, I'm guessing that you and I have almost the exact same list. But very that's likely. Fine. Go, go, go ahead. You want to start? Two's great. Three's a crowd. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Forget about Johnny. Uh, I don't, actually he didn't say that. I don't know who no. said that, but I don't know. You think about everything. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm wasted. I love you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I got that the one. Infamous. Hey, Denny. Denny. Yeah. Danny. Take your pick. I did not hit her. I did not hit her. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> you can't help but don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure everybody has. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. Yep. One of my favorites was mumble, mumble, mumble. You look baby face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's what it was. You're yeah. a chicken. You're just a chicken. Cheep, 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 cheep. And my probably, my, my, actually my top was the mumble, mumble, mumble. My second one was... Men and women abuse each other all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That was the mom's line, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you go ahead, Max. What were your okay. favorite quotes? Hi, doggy. You're my fa you're my favorite customer. <laughs> uh, anything for my princess? <laughs> Why don't you love him anymore? Tell me. <laughs> He plans to buy you a house. I know. That's why he's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I like you very much, lover boy. <laughs> she means the they band. <laughs> they betray me. They are using me and I am the fool. <laughs> Got a point. And of course, what kind of drugs, Denny? <laughs> what kind of movie are we going to see? Well, we're going to see Denny Don't Plan So Much. <laughs> I love that film. Yep. Let's go eat, huh? And of course, how dare you talk to me like that? Everybody betray me. I'm fed up with this world. <laughs> Thank you, honey. This is a beautiful party. You invited all my friends. Good idea. <laughs> uh, I got to go see Michelle to make out with her. <laughs> now, those are most of them. There are a lot of others. Yeah. So but 
the, most of them tend to be his. They tend to be with So's just mainly because of his delivery. Yeah, and everyone loves to do the voice. Yeah, the voice, the voice is fun. He's just, it's so much fun to do. It's so much fun to make fun of. Yeah. I, I can't, you're right, I can see why this became such a cult hit. I mean, there hasn't been anybody so quotable and so much fun to do since Tor Johnson. <laughs> Pretty much. Time for go, Time to, for go bed. to bed. <laughs> yeah. So we have to ask the question, because this is our series question, is this a quotable movie? I think it really is, but I don't think it would be without him. Because God knows the dialogue does not provide you anything. The language use is, I mean, it, some of it is quotable just because of how clumsy the words are used. Yeah. Clumsily the words are used, but it's him, man. It's his voice. It's his delivery. Yeah. I think it both is and it isn't. The reason I say it is is because it's a lot of fun to do, but a lot of times you, we use quotes either because they are inherently funny for what they're saying or they have some sort of insight, right? You know, uh, the, uh, the problems of two people, two little people doesn't matter of a hill of beans in this world, right? That mm -hmm. has something to do with the human condition. This is more just, I can't believe I actually heard this or some human said this at some point. And that, of course, is still yet to be proved. When we talk a lot about the, how bad the acting is, the main thing is, it, now, Sestero, I got to give him some points. He You get the feeling he's kind of trying. Kind of. Kind of. Well, but, I don't think anyone's not trying. It's just whether you have any skill in that thing or not. The thing is, Ju Lisa, Juliet Danielle, is so passionless. Yeah. She's supposed to be this sociopath. She's supposed to be this. Is she? You know, yes. <laughs> okay. She's supposed to be. She's supposed to be this self-centered and this, uh, like, femme fatale, apparently. But oh. when she, the way she delivers some of the lines, you know, sure, baby, come on up. I want your body. <laughs> it's just, no, you don't. <laughs> well, I don't know about femme fatale, but her expression's pretty dead. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's just no passion in any of it. No. When she's writhing around with Johnny. Yeah. You get the feeling she's trying to do a sex scene without actually touching him. <laughs> well, and his aim is... Uh, yeah, it appears at some point that he's having... I think he's having sex with her sternum. I don't know, but he also does seem to like to go around in circles. <laughs> yeah, his movements are more like he's having some kind of fit. Yeah. It, it's The sex scenes are the most unerotic... Well, and let's talk about them, because it, we don't have to wait very long to get one. Boy, um, we, what, it, six minutes in? I forget, um, but there's, like, we literally meet three characters. It's Johnny and Lisa, and then Denny pops in to go, can I watch, basically, for reasons nobody understands, and then he leaves. I mean, it's literally like, what was it American Werewolf in London where they had that sex movie and it, there's two people yes. going at it. Somebody knocks at the door and goes, I thought I told you never to come up here anymore. I've, I've never promised you any such thing. You're oh, not sorry. You. <laughs> no, not you, you twit. Her. <laughs> I've never seen you before in my life. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and it's, it's and like that. It. Yeah, that was see you next. What is it? Wednesday? It's, I don't know. John Landis used to use that in all. If he needed a movie in the background, even on a marquee, he was always "See you next." I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, I think he like they made that up for American Werewolf, but yeah, it's like that. There's like literally, and then they just start having sex for no reason. Then twenty minutes in, because we we started looking. Twenty minutes yeah. in, we have another sex scene, which apparently yep. is just the first sex scene, but with um, unused footage. Yeah, but luckily we ha we get to wait a while till twenty six minutes in for the next one we have another one but it's a much longer 
no, it's actually shorter. There's 30 minutes yeah. <laughs> another sex scene. But then we get another one at a minute at an hour five and another one at an hour <laughs> nine. It does change. It's not always the same two people. There's actually one point where there are two people who just wander into the apartment. We don't know who they are or for quite a there, while. What's going on? They just started having sex and then they get caught and by by Lisa and her mother and then they leave. I, I still that's another source of one of the more ridiculous lines where the guy is trying to be seductive with a box of candy. Did you know chocolate is the symbol of love? Like, <laughs> well, no, to be fair, Max, isn't. he had hit his head. Oh, he, he had, had a concussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which True. would explain a lot of this film if that's what had happened. There, the filming of, especially, you know, Johnny and Lisa together, so many unfortunate choices. There's this whole thing where there were rose petals all over the bed. Yeah. Which is, you know, everyone always thinks that's a, a really romantic and a nice thing, and people do it on honeymoons and such. The problem, at least in this one, is the petals stick to Lisa's back, and it looks like she has some kind of horrible skin disease given to her by having sex with Johnny. Or, or a couple of the chocolates got dropped in the bed. <laughs> <That's> or <laughs> something else got dropped in the bed. Oh! And, yeah, it's really... It also could be, you know, I don't know, leeches or something. It's, it's, not, it's gross. These are the least erotic sex scenes you can imagine. Well, okay, so Tommy wants to show a lot of himself. Oh, boy, and is to he be proud fair, of that lumpy body. T- well, Tommy has worked out, and he is very... It's very very cut, but he's that kind of cut where this person hasn't been drinking any fluids for the last three days, and you can see striations in the muscle where it's just kind of yucky. And I, being somebody who generally likes looking at guys, I don't want to look at Tommy Wiseau at all. So he's it's somebody who's done a lot of work to make their body look that way, and they just don't realize that we don't want to look at it. Um I also want to say to you with the photography, say what you will, I think the film's actually fairly well shot for a huh. very low budget, yeah. nobody professional in it. The camera work itself is actually pretty reasonable. There's no point where I was like, wow, somebody knocked into the camera. Well, except there are a couple of scenes where the, it's out of focus because, as we said, no one was, they just didn't care. They just didn't care. Oh, but yeah, no, it's true. Otherwise, otherwise, it's perfectly competent. Yeah. And there's then the shots of San Francisco, again, are nice. Yeah. But it's just, it's the editing that really makes you well the editing and the script writing just make you and the acting it's the editing the script writing the acting and the perform okay most of the (laughs) film (laughs) amongst our weaponry yes the weaponry yeah i want to come back to the title okay so the name of this film is the room right which room is that Uh, (laughs) i have no idea i mean there are we see two rooms pretty much in the apartment Right. I assume it's the bedroom because that's where a lot of the sex happens well, and it's where Johnny kills himself. I guess and, except most of what happens for what little plot there is happens in the living, the living area. The downstairs, There's no kitchen or no. I mean there is a bathroom but we thankfully assume, yeah. we don't see too much of that. We, yeah, this film takes place there are a couple of outdoor scenes, you know, the flower shop, the alley, there's a scene a pointless scene of Johnny and Mark jogging. Oh, Max, and, you want to toss a football? No, no, you I don't. Get a tux and toss yeah, a football. I, yes, I, yes, that's right. Let's go in an alley in full tuxedos and play football. Yeah, we're not playing. No, no, no. We're not going to play football. We're just going to oh, toss right. it. Throw it around. By the way, why were they in tuxedos? They weren't going to the wedding. 
Well, I think they were supposed to, but then there wasn't one. Apparently, we don't know. <laughs> I assume there was either supposed to be a wedding or a called off wedding scene or something. It just wasn't there. I do have a big question for this film, though. Hmm? Why a big suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently Tommy cannot find clothes that fit him. I guess. Every, everything he wears in this movie is baggy or ill-fitting. Yeah. Very um, strange. What about the, I want to talk about a little bit about the background music, the score. Oh, you know, I actually had a really good note about that because yes. I personally thought that, because thought that, mostly we notice it when they're having sex. <laughs> but the soft rock soundtrack of this movie is perfectly <laughs> forgettable. Yeah, you don't remember. <laughs> it's also trying to tell you things that the script and the uh, visuals aren't. Oh, you could like, concentrate that much on it? I did. I oh. mean, when Johnny is drinking at one point, the music gets all dark and grim. It's like, okay, so apparently for some reason it is bad that he's drinking. Or when Chris the pusher shows up because Denny hasn't paid him for the drug, oh. <laughs> the music gets all scary, sort of. Yeah. Because it's good that he told us that because otherwise we would Chris would not be that scary. Although well, we do get the line, take him to the police. Yeah, well, then that scene is over, as is that entire plot, which had yeah, no bearing on anything in the first place. There's no, there's no, nothing else. No follow-up. Denny apparently never buys drug again. We, we, just nothing. Nothing! I mean, the film does teach us one thing. If you're having a party and it's not going well, just pan across San Francisco. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and it'll change. <laughs> yes, also spend a lot of time going inside and then outside and then back inside. Yeah, there's there's scenes where people enter and then they talk about things that don't matter. Uh, Lisa, I got to say, has literally the same conversation with everybody throughout the film. Yeah. Oh, I'm not, I don't love him anymore. I'm going to leave him. You should stay with him. I'm not going to. We finally find out they've been together seven years. And my reaction was, they have? Yeah. <laughs> Like, really, they've been engaged for seven, or how long? Yeah. Or, or like when Johnny says, oh, it's a really interesting story how, how I met her. Like, oh, tell us. I saw her, and she was really beautiful, and I went and said hi. Then he says that Great the interesting story, part bro. was, <laughs> the interesting part was, and I forget what it was because it wasn't very it interesting. It wasn't. It was, so bo it was so uninteresting, you don't remember. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, the sheer level... It really is one of the movies that goes through bad and comes out the other side. Yeah. Into something you cannot look away from. It is a cinematic train wreck in slow motion. And it's fascinating. Oh, we should we should get to that part right about um, ooh, now. Yeah. The finish. So Max. Yeah. Where was the first time or when was the first time you saw the room? I know you didn't <sighs> see it in the theater. I did I saw I think it was the Rift Tracks live show. Okay. So I saw it. I technically saw it in the theater. Yeah, true. But it was it was Rift Tracks making fun of it, and I remember sitting there just going, "This can't be real." I mean, this, Max, this... how was your reaction? Not, ha. Huh? <laughs> because I was hearing too much of that already, and I didn't want it. I didn't want me to be associated with anything about that movie. <laughs> I didn't want to take it into myself like that. Mm. And I watched it again, uh, at the commentary, because the Rift Tracks guys do a great job with it. But I think this is the first time I've ever watched it unaccompanied by Rift Tracks. And so what is your feeling about the film? 
it really is, uh, I see why it's a cult film. It is so bad, it is so incompetent on so many levels, except, as you point out, oddly enough, the camera work, which I think highlights how bad the rest of it is. It's so bad, it's fascinating. And it is hilarious. But again, it is a movie you have to see with other people. It doesn't have to be a huge crowd. No. What about you? Was where we were? Did you first encounter this? Same place you did. Yeah. Okay. Tracks, I thought so. Rift Tracks Live. Yep. Went and saw it. Rift Tracks Live. And I wouldn't say that I fell in love with it because this is only the second time I've seen it, and it was without Rift. Well, it was initially with them, but we. Yeah. You guys are distracting us from the <laughs> deep. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was the right choice. I think we needed to just take the film on its own. I think so. Merit. I mean, well, let's face it, the the characters are wooden, they, the lines are delivered with the deftness of a cinder block, and the sex scenes are interminable. And creepy. But this is this goes all the way back to Ed Wood, right? Because yeah. Ed Wood is exactly the same. He's got same. this little troop of people that for some reason believe in him, although I've never read accounts of people going, we're going to stop looking at the focus of the camera, we're, just finish it up, please, we can't stand this. Apparently yeah, they believed yeah. in him. And it's the same thing in that both of these guys appear to think that they're geniuses. Yeah. Just misunderstood or ahead of their time. And, honey, you're just not. No. Neither one of you. I'm sorry. Ed, Tom, I'm sorry. I, I'm sure your parents told you you were wonderful and special, <laughs> but they were lying. Well, sadly, Tommy's done a lot better than Ed did. Yeah. Because Ed ended up uh, living in a trailer, and and I think he actually uh, died because of alcohol abuse, which is kind of sad. But he also had a movie made about him, and it was a big that budget won movie. won several Oscars. Yeah. Or was so, nominated for a bunch. I know it won Best Supporting Actor. So, and that was for Martin Landau, right? Yeah. Very yes. much deserved it. Nailed it. I Easily the best performance of his career, I Absolute, think. Absolutely. I, I agree. But- they're very, very connected. They're basically somebody who had this passion, had this vision. And I have to give him credit because it is really hard, especially for something like a movie, to actually drag all this stuff together. I, we have no idea where the money came from, whatever. But to actually drag all this stuff, these people together and actually make the thing there is such a fine line between planning something and actually doing it but it's a line almost nobody ever crosses yep he actually to, got it made he got a movie made a lot of people can't say that and 20 years later we're still talking about it yep and yes we are i would say if you have any interest or any love for bad movies you owe it to yourself. You don't have to go to a showing. Just have a couple people over don't and watch, watch it the alone. Room. Really, don't watch it. <laughs> I think alone. it's just like Rocky Horror. Just be boring. Yeah, you might giggle a couple of times, but I think you would honestly get up and walk away. Half the characters do. Yes, <laughs> they literally show up. Oh, hi, Mock, and they leave. A like, lot of the cast did. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. Yeah, but I. I think in a way it's delightful. I laughed my way all the way through it. In a way that's kind of because I'm making fun of somebody, sure, whatever. But apparently he's okay with it. Um, and if you really want to see something interesting that proves that he was dead serious when he made this, go and look up on YouTube to see if he's still. you can still find a copy of his audition to be the Joker. Oh, boy. Because... <laughs> You know, oh, hi, see, Batman. <laughs> I'm going to blow up Gotham, huh? 
you know, that's that level of self delusion rarely ever gets up on screen. And as long as he's okay with it, you can, you don't, there's no reason for you to feel bad. And I, if there was a showing near me where a bunch of people were going with the spoons, dressing up their favorite characters, I, I would totally go. I also do recommend you go see The Disaster Artist. That's really interesting. If you're at all interested, don't do it unless you're interested in the, there's the idea of this movie and Tommy was so, because otherwise it has nothing. Yeah, and don't but James do it. Franco Frank friggin' nails Tommy was so. Yeah, don't, nails it. Don't don't watch it if you're um, potentially um, on the pot because yeah. <laughs> you may not remember much of what you saw. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea why I brought that up, and I have I don't no either. personal experience with it. But there you go. Yeah. But that brings our series to an end. Uh, yes. films. Uh, but we uh, also brings us to that uh, thing we love to do so much was our poll question. Would you uh, yes. go over that for folks? I will. What movie did you go into expecting to hate it or be bored by it, but you ended up really enjoying it? Be interested to hear. And you can tell us this by emailing us at us at maxmikemovies.com or going to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leaving a comment. You don't have to kill penguins to do it. You do not have to kill penguins to do it, and you don't have to be wearing a red dress either, (laughs) but you will have to bring a football. Oh. You'll also find us on the one remaining social media known to the human race, Facebook, under Max Mike Movies. The sad thing is, is it makes it sound like we're pro-Facebook, and it's just like... We're not. It's it's just the only one we use. Yeah. Because none of you have told us to use a different one, and of course... We are simply we are slaves to your whims, and I will not help out that man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, we can't dance well enough for TikTok. Mm, it's true. But we are now starting, or not now, but soon, starting a new series. What series is that, Mike? Well, we are going back to our roots. When we started this uh, the show almost five years ago, and hey, if you got any suggestions yep. for what you think we should do for our fifth anniversary, oh, uh, please let know. us know. Yeah. yeah, we have some ideas, but we'd love to hear from you, and we'll put that up on Facebook. Five years ago, we started off with a series called I Can't Believe You Haven't Seen That. And the first film we ever did was a film that I couldn't believe Max hadn't seen. Although, to be fair, looking back, I can believe he didn't see it. Yeah. And it was a film called Eyes Wide Shut. Yep. And that was the last fully filmed movie by um, that guy that you may have heard Stanley of. Stanley Kubrick, yep. Oh, is that who it was? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was time it was so. Uh, <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Aha, that's the truth. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick is alive and and is now take, taken on a new identity of Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, the brain sure. transplant went wrong. That's why the the talent disappeared. I've solved it. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that, Max. And I hey, will. make a movie about it. <laughs> I will. Yeah. So we're going to start off with films that one or the other of us hasn't seen. In this case, of course, whoever's hosting will pick the film that the other person they can't believe hasn't seen this film. Yep. And this is tough. Especially for Max. Max is much more of a cinephile than I am. I have Mm. seen a lot of movies. Max has seen me plus X. (laughs) And so when I found out that Max had not seen the quintessential film about Stifler's mom, I just (laughs) couldn't believe it. So Max, next week, we are going to talk about and watch Mm. American Pie. Oh, oh, great. I love the Don McLean song. This is like a cinematic version of that, right? 
Yeah, not oh, only is it that, it's going to explain the entire song. Oh, excellent. Oh, so I've now always, you're really looking forward to this, oh, right? Oh, I so am. This is going to be great. I want to see the references to Buddy Holly and Janis Joplin. Yeah. Good. So if you're like me and are dying to hear Max's hopes dashed, tune in next week <laughs> when we talk about American Pie. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.